One of the take home points about visceral fat is it's the influence of visceral fat and not so much the presence of it. Dr. Sean O'Mara. Dr. Sean O'Mara. Dr. Sean O'Mara. You know, if you were to open somebody up and surgically remove all of their visceral fat, you would see no, and then close them up, you would see no demonstrable difference in them immediately from doing that. But this deep belly fat, inflammatory fat, radioactive fat, invisible obesity, it's uh, concealed mostly in your abdomen and it wraps around your organs in your abdomen. It would also include fat that's outside your abdomen, up in your chest, like around your heart. The real problem and culprit of this visceral fat is that it's constantly secreting these inflammatory molecules that go out and cause problems throughout the body. You would, over a period of time, if provided they did not go back and start regaining that visceral fat, then their body would be more healthy in all its response, hormonal production, myokine production, the ability to grow muscle. It's like the fountain of health. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Happy Habit Podcast once again. I'm your host, Matthew. We're here every Monday and Thursday talking all things health, well-being, motivation, inspiration, and just uh, trying to provide a little bit of value to your lives. Uh, Thank you so much to all of the new downloaders, subscribers, and listeners. There's been a huge, huge increase in the number of subscribers and listeners in the last few weeks since the start of the year, which is great to see. If you haven't already done so, please like, subscribe, and share. Yes. Give somebody else the benefit of tuning in and getting some education and some learning from some of the experts that we have peppered throughout this podcast series. A reminder, almost 400 episodes now. Yes, over the last four years, huge amount of work has gone into the podcast. So please do share. And if you're getting value at all, any benefit whatsoever, if you've learned something that you didn't know before tuning in, well then please do leave the podcast a positive review in order to help other people just like yourself find the Happy Habit podcast. Today I am with Dr. Sean O'Mara. He is one of the world's leading health and performance optimizing physicians who loves to use his huge presence on social media to educate people on their health and demystify many of the topics that intimidate and confuse, thereby putting people back in the driving seat of their own optimal health management. In this episode, we talk about a subject dear to Dr. O'Mara, that of visceral fat. We ask what it is and why we need to take it seriously. We hear about the different kinds of fat in our bodies and why all body fat is not equal. We talk about body fat's relationship with our longevity and chronic inflammation. Most importantly, we discuss the basic strategies that Dr. O'Mara suggests we employ to lessen the amount of visceral fat in our bodies. So if you have uh, abdomen fat or love handles and you're looking to remove it, well then tune in certainly for that part, if not all of the episode. We hear Sean's passionate views on the negative effects of the pharmaceutical industry on our health. 
Expect to learn about a simple way to reverse erectile dysfunction. Yes, you heard me correctly. Expect to discover why Dr. Sean is not a fan of endurance sports like long-distance running. That's interesting. And we discuss sarcopenia, resilience and how selection pressure has been replaced by selection pleasure in the modern age to the detriment of our health. This is a lively discussion. Dr. Sean is a passionate medic who says it like it is and given his own great physical condition at the age of 60 is a testament to his own health philosophy. Can we start by talking about a thing called visceral fat Uh, What exactly is visceral fat? Because it comes up again and again these days in the media. Uh, What is it? Uh, How does it increase? And then we can go on to then how we deal with reducing the amount of visceral fat in our system. Yeah. So visceral fat is this uh, uh, fat depot. So it's a collection of fat inside the body. You know, I like to tell people that not all fat is the same. There's actually really beneficial good fat like brown adipose tissue, sometimes called brown fat that's associated with uh, enhanced mitochondrial presence and metabolism and the ability to generate heat and just overall better health. And uh, there's also a really good beneficial fat called superficial subcutaneous fat. And that's the fat that's outside your body, but in a very superficial plane. And then there are bad fats. So uh, right below the superficial uh, fat that's separated in the subcutaneous area of the body is up met by a membrane called scarpus fascia is another type of subcutaneous fat called deep subcutaneous fat and deep subcutaneous fat behaves like visceral fat it generates inflammatory modules and it's aligned and associated with a lot of disease so right away i like to tell people not all fat is the same there's bad fat there's good fat and a really bad player is this visceral fat and the sad thing is, I mean, just kind of talked a little bit about that, um, and I am a physician. I learned all of that after medical school. It's not taught in medical school. It's really, um, you know, at some, t- some point, I guess I could investigate it, but it, it requires somebody to really delve into why. But, you know, it's just not part of the curriculum of medical schools. And unfortunately, you know, I for whatever reason, it's kind of an evil thing. I mean, I don't know why it's the case, but the curriculums of medical schools get followed all over the, the world. And so the, the nonsense that we teach in our medical schools, and really uh, that includes we don't teach, um, really is getting uh, perpetuated throughout, throughout the world uh, globally. And so no physicians around the world know about this deep, dangerous visceral fat. And so there's some clever ways of uh, calling it or identifying it. So one is invisible obesity. So you can think of it as obesity that's inside of you that you don't know about. It's invisible. Or another term that I like that uh, was was coined and used by um, um, a superhuman radio host, Carl Lenore, which is a cool podcast. Carl's a, a bit when he's uh, a long-term bodybuilder's been out for a long time. I think he's got the most continuous, longest-running health show going, like 30, 30, 40 years, a long time. Carl's a long-term guy. I've talked on his show a few times about visceral fat. He calls it radioactive fat, and I think that's a good way to describe it because it's so inflammatory. 
it's so disease causing you can think of it as as radioactive and it's you know the uh the, the capacity to influence your whole body really is um significant in this substance so this deep belly fat inflammatory fat radioactive fat invisible obesity it's uh concealed mostly in your abdomen and it wraps around your organs in your abdomen and uh it would also include um fat that's outside your abdomen up in your chest like around your heart in your mediastinum area so surrounding your heart so these the 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 real problem culprit of this visceral fat is it is it's constantly secreting these inflammatory molecules that go out and cause problems throughout the body so one of the take-home points about visceral fat that your listeners should be aware of is it's the influence of visceral fat and not so much the presence of it so you know, if you were to open somebody up and surgically remove all of their visceral fat, you would see no, and then close them up, you would see no demonstrable difference in them immediately from doing that. But um, you would, over a period of time, it provided they did not go back and start regaining that visceral fat, then their body would be more healthy in all its response, hormonal production, uh, myokine production, the ability to grow muscle. So literally, you could take a 60-year-old male who stopped producing muscle in his 40s and eliminate their visceral fat, um, tell them what they've got to do to make sure they don't get it, and then if they start lifting weights, they're going to start putting on muscle like they were in their 20s again. It's crazy, but this is what we see. Now, we don't surgically remove it. We're, in my research, we identify it by MRI. We get rid of it, documented it's gone by MRI, and then as people start lifting weights, they have these dramatic changes in their body. And so here's the take-home point, if you're listening. It's like the fountain of health. Not so much the fountain of youth, but it restores your healthy condition when you were younger. Young people are uh, without the presence of disease. They have health. Old people are just usually uh, manifestations of, of people with disease. So I tell young people, you want to see what disease looks like, what you will look like when you're diseased, look at your parents. And I tell parents, do you want to see what you would look like if you got rid of visceral fat? Look at your kids. And so, you know, it's a big, uh, that's a big introduction, but maybe a, a good way of, um, of, uh, of uh, share, sharing this with the audience is just to show a picture of visceral fat by an MRI. And so what I'll do is I'll just um, um, get a, uh, a well, screenshot. While, while you're doing that, could I ask you then, we hear about the term skinny fat. That tends to be bandied about these days. Does this also refer to visceral fat is this what this means skinny fat visceral fat yeah 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 so skinny fat is are people that look outwardly skinny but are fat on the inside so this is an example of skinny fat so if i blow this up and a little bit raise it up in the air so just to, see just to explain to people you're showing a cross-section then of the body at the moment uh, yeah, taken so by, by mri yeah so maybe before i blow it up 
I'll stand here so you can see this this graphic. Here's a figure I'm pointing to a figure of a media seeding up. And then there's a plane, you know, representing where this image is being taken, which is a slice across section in the transverse axial plane of this human standing up. And basically it really represents somebody laying down as though they're lying on a stretcher going through an MRI machine. So you lay on your back in an MRI machine looking up and uh, the image is, cap is captured in this transverse plane. And then the image, when if I blow it up and move it into the, into the camera view a little bit better. So all this white in the middle, this is the belly button. These are the muscles in the back if I raise it up a little bit. These are the muscles in the back of the patient go through the MRI scanner. And uh, this is their six-pack belly button. And uh, on it in MRI, fat shows up as white. So the white stuff in the middle is the visceral fat we're talking about. The dark stuff are muscles or organs. So your colon, your small intestines, your pancreas, liver, things like that, which show up as dark structures. Well, white it is important to see is the see that type of fat, but the bad player is visceral fat, but you also get fat deposited in muscles. So these are the muscles, intercostal muscles, the six, the abdominal strike, the six pack, and then muscles in the back. Those get infiltrated, uh, basically almost infected with this inflammatory fat too, called myosteatosis. So um, the other term for this is human marbling. So if you're familiar, familiar with a marbleized steak, Human muscle can be marbleized in a similar similar manner that cows get marbleized in their state, only they're, they're marbleized purposefully for profit. But now that I come to think about it, so are humans. Humans are purposeful, purposefully allowed to become marbleized without any doctor catching this. I mean, literally, you get this, this fat infiltrating the muscles and it's completely ignored by radiologists, uh, certs, family practice doctors. They're not aware of it because they're not taught about it. And then just like those cows are diseased and they only live three to four years because of all those carbohydrates, you know, humans could live a lot longer um, and they would have way better quality of life. You know, so you you basically want to be uh, a human that's that's not filled with all these inflammatory fats. So that's why I'm really excited about the MRI because it allows us to see that, but you know, not everybody can afford an MRI. So I pay attention to other proxies, other measurements that are aligned and associated with elevated amounts of visceral fat. So a few of those are like spider veins on the skin um, and then uh, nail beds, you know, turning dusty, not, they're no longer pink. They start, the fingernails, toenails start turning yellow. And uh, and then, you know, visible pulses. You know, as you get rid of visceral fat, uh, people start getting the advent of visible pulses. So you can start seeing arteries, pulls, you know, visibly just staining up. You know, my clients see now their arteries starting to open up and pulse as you get rid of this inflammatory fat. And, and it's because the muscle... There's muscle in arteries called smooth muscle. And the fat that goes into the muscle that you see on an MRI also goes into the muscles that are in these arteries, veins, and capillaries. So if you get rid of that, the blood flows better. Blood flows better, 
the invisible pulses, people become more intelligent, they make less mistakes, they become more articulate, they become more attracted. And if you've got erectile dysfunction, you now get this big, powerful, strong erection. And the other sign that we're noticing, this is how I know this is a real deal, is 60-year-old guys and 70-year-old guys are starting to get the bounce back. And where you were a teenager, your erection bounced from the influence of every heartbeat coursing through that erection that basically says, I am a biological bad ass. And so you want to have that that bounce going on. And no, almost nobody our age in the 40s, 50s, and 60s have that unless they get rid of their visceral fat and their fat and their arteries and veins. So really exciting stuff. And it, it's it's systemic. Health is all over the body or the absence of health disease is also all over the body if you look for it. Extraordinary. A huge area of medicine that seems to have been untapped. And uh, I mean, the, my takeaway from this is if you want to increase your lifespan and reduce inflammation, which is such a contributory factor to chronic disease, you tackle your visceral fat. Question is, yeah. how, how do we tackle our visceral fat then? What is your strategy? Yeah. So uh, on my, uh, for people that are interested, I have uh, posted in my um, my Instagram page, but I'll blow it up here. Uh, if you're, you're watching today, you can just take a screenshot of the strategies that I'm just sharing with humanity how to get rid of this visceral fat. I mean, these things, if you do these things, literally will change your life. People, followers, you know, all over the world on social media, follow me, um, write me every day, every single day, how their lives are being changed just by adopting this. So yeah, you can, you can change your life by losing weight, but, um, and you can change your life by, you know, adopting a new kind of a dietary strategy, but nothing, Nothing, Matthew, have I seen in 30 years um, influence, uh, influences people more, improves humans more than getting rid of this very, very dangerous fat inside of you. So these are the strategies to, to do it. And uh, real quick, it's first top of the list is cutting out processed foods, eliminating processed, especially carbohydrates. Eat meat, uh, fat, and protein, the healthiest meat possible. And um, with including uh, the healthy fats rich in omega-3s from a grass-fed pastured animal or wild, uh, wild-caught wild fish or seafood, you pull that on that and you want to um, uh, add to it fermented vegetables. Fermented vegetables is because if you're listening today, your entire life, you've eaten dead food food that's not living. But if you add in fermented foods to your diet, you have just gone to a whole new round where you're introducing living microbes that improve the quality of food. And when you consume them, they start living inside of you, improving you. And so it's an extraordinary benefit to a human being to incorporate it into their diet fermented foods. So once I learned this, I got entirely different results, way better results in people on my studies, eliminating visceral fat, eliminating disease in their body, 
by, uh, by eating those ferments. And the key to this is they got to be chewed together. You can't eat meat and then have some of this fermented food on the side because guess what happened? The, the meat gets chewed, it's down your stomach, and then you got some of the, the fermented food near it. But what you want to do is co-masticate. You want to chew these together, mix it up. It's like you make a little ninja blender in your mouth. And you combine this dead, albeit nutritious, meat with living fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, fermented beets, fermented carrots. And you put these microbes together and they're mixing with that meat. Now, for the first time in your life, you turn that dead meat into living meat, living food, and it goes down and starts, you set a course of direction for the first time in your life that's beneficial and positive because up to that point, you've had all these pathogenic microbes in your mouth, you know, to cause cavities and, you know, people's breath is horrible. Um, and, you know, if you ever get bit by a human being, it can really cause a bad infection for the microbes in it. And uh, they're way more pathogenic if you do oral microbiomes on humans compared to animals in the wild, because animals in the wild just have really healthy microbiomes because they're not eating processed foods. And so, yeah, you're putting bad germs in your whole life, chewing meat and swallowing it. So stop that insanity. Put healthy, healthy meat in your mouth, chew it with ferments, and swallow it. If you're a vegan, if you're a vegetarian, you can still do this. Put these, put vegetables in your mouth. Do not chew. Put living uh, fermented foods into your mouth and chew them together so you mix in. I have vegans all over the world following me using my strategies. They were, you know, really diseased, overweight, fat, inflammatory. And uh, they turned themselves around when they started incorporating that. So cut out specially processed carbs, bread pastas, uh, rice, things like that. You want to get chips and nonsense. And uh, and if you're going to be vegan or vegetarian, eat more complex carbs. Uh, and then uh, for, for both cases, if you're carnivore or vegan, you want to be uh, chewing together these foods with, with, uh, uh, with fermented foods. I know part of your strategy includes high-intensity exercise in order to increase the amount of muscle in the system, but also to reduce, is it sarcopenia? Yeah, so sarcopenia is this scourge that's affecting, affecting humanity um, with, uh, with terrible consequence. So people are losing their muscle, and we see this on MRI. So here's a guy who's a CEO of a company. He's filled with visceral fat inside. This is his belly button. That's why it's darker here. And then we rescan him um, just two months later, and all this visceral fat is just about 99% removed. He's grew muscle, and it, uh, he got a six-pack. And the only thing this guy did was he stopped distance running, and he added in maximum intensity sprinting. So he stopped all his distance running. That was the only change he made in that two-month period of time. So... When we saw this, we started adding in sprinting as a strategy to biologically optimize. And I should back up and say, you know, in our uh, seven-year study for the National Science Foundation, we purposed to reverse chronic disease. And what we found out was that people um, became optimally healthy. They improved their quality of life. They didn't just eliminate a particular disease process. 
every disease process that we tracked and followed was either completely eliminated or was getting better uh, through the elimination of this visceral fat. So screening was one of those key things that built muscle and got rid of the bad fat. So if you look at all that deep subcutaneous fat right there, this line separates the uh, the deep subcutaneous fat from the good stuff, um, substantially reduced uh, from sprinting. So this is the benefit of MRI. It allows us to get rid of bad and grow good. It preserved that superficial uh, subcutaneous fat, which is uh, protective against disease because it instead of secreting inflammatory molecules, it secretes a molecule called adiponectin, A-D-I-E-O-N-E-C-T-I-N. And everybody should write that down, hit the pause button, rewind it, write it down, re-study it, jump on Google or ChatGPT, find out about adiponectin. You want more of that. Guess who doesn't want you to have big pharma? They don't want you to know about adiponectin, just like they don't want you to know about visceral fat and deep subcutaneous fat and fat around your heart. So that's why it's really cool. You listen to podcasters and social media, like Matthew, you can get this content and learn about this. And I ain't selling nothing. I don't sell nothing. I'm just a mad, pissed off doctor who feels like my med school education uh, was a ripoff because I'm nothing more than a pawn and a puppet for, for, for people uh, to use me, big pharma, so everybody else is falling apart. I mean, my God, I got a medical degree. Call me doctor. Call me doctor. I'm a doctor. Meanwhile, everybody would come to see me over a period of time. Just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, you just get worse. You have bigger, bigger boxes, bags of medicine. Nobody goes to a doctor over 30 years and their number, numbers go down in their medicine. You know, if the medicine was work, you know, really worked and got you better, you'd only take it for a short period of time. You wouldn't need it, but you need more and more. I mean, wake up. So that's why I like doing these podcasts, get people's attention. It's funny you, mem you mentioned the uh, pharmaceutical industry. I only just watched the Dope Sick there recently. And uh, it was, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about the, the story of uh, Purdue Pharma and how they pushed OxyContin onto, uh, onto many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of American patients. And uh, they were oversubscribed these, uh, prescribed these particular drugs and it caused all sorts of opioid uh, opioid crises in America and has done and the ramifications of that are still going on now so it's interesting that uh, you're somebody who's gone through the medical system and uh, can tell us firsthand exactly what uh, your take is on the uh, insidiousness of the pharmaceutical industry yeah no um, and before I went to medical school I was a, I was a police officer and undercover narcotics agent and uh, a narco and then I went to law school and became a criminal prosecutor, narcotics prosecutor. Let me tell you, we have thrown people into jails because of conditions that were they contracted simply because of the pharmaceutical industry's preference for pushing these medications and in lifestyles that just cause disease and addiction. I have people routinely adopting my strategies, you know, telling me they're completely off of their opioids and substance abuse now uh, just by doing these strategies. So if you're a drinker, you like to drink, as you say in Ireland, 
and uh, you can't stop drinking or you can't stop taking your dependent upon narcotics. And all you think about is, my God, if my doctor cuts me off, I'm going to fall apart. You do my strategies and wean yourself off of this crap. You don't need nobody, you know, throughout your human existence, 99% of existence, we didn't have these medicines and we did just fine. You don't need to be on this. You're just perpetuating chronic disease. You can mask that pain, but that disease is still there. You're falling apart. I mean, is that what you want to do? No, get rid of it and, you know, do these strategies and change your life. Another one of your strategies relates to hormesis and stress. And then this ties in with something else that you wanted to talk about, and that was uh, selection pressure and selection pleasure. So can we first of all talk about the value of embracing stress or hormesis as uh, it's known in the in scientific and medical fields? Yeah, so we have too much of the wrong stress. Typically, we have a cortisol producing stress that has a biological response. And let's say if we have a period of famine, or you know uh, a period of long-term hardship, uh, we, we that 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 plays a role, but it should not go on too long because it just destroys us over a period of time. And so famines wouldn't last forever, um, and neither would like a battle or you know you know kind of a big conflict, a huge forest fire, or, you know earthquake, whatever. Um, but today, you know, people stick in jobs that they hate, and it's it's kind of like the famine that never goes away or the forest fire that never goes away or the tsunami that just keeps coming every single freaking day. And so you should be in a job where you're not stressed out. Do something you're passionate about. Like I love my job, do that. And uh, and then the kind of stress you want is brief, intense stress that actually benefits you. Like sprinting, do a all out max uh, effort sprint for 10 to 20 seconds and do like six to 10 of those every other day. Watch what happens to your body. Um, the same thing with like doing push-ups, you know, to failure, you know, do, if you can't do a single push-up, bring your body to learn how to do it, do a push-up on your knees or something. If you can't do a full body push-up and, uh, I routinely, you know, do uh, over a hundred push-ups in 60 seconds, you know, jamming, making myself you know, for one minute, you know, uh, life sucks. Maximum intensity exercise. So it's called hormesis, a stress hormetic is something that injures you. You know, it's an intense stressor for a short period of time from which your body recovers and is made better from. You're better for that brief stressor. So hormesis is best summed up by uh, the expression, I think the philosopher Nietzsche said, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. And so it's that idea, some kind of brief momentary thing. But it, besides like lifting weights or push-ups or pull-ups or sprinting, um, hormesis can be introduced positively and beneficially into the lives of a human being through practices such as a sauna or a cold plunge into cold water or a cold shower or fasting. Doing an, an intermittent fast or an extended fast, or even something, believe it or not, like sunshine has a hermetic experience, and um, and and then just other types of uh, of uh, exercise that that you can you can do. You know, so these kind of brief, intense things are very beneficial. What you don't want to do is too long. So 
in our studies, we found people that do uh, exercise for too long, like endurance runners or uh, endurance cyclists, these people cycling forever, um, they end up getting accumulating and holding on to uh, visceral fat way more than sprinters have no visceral fat. Marathoners are, have huge amounts of visceral fat. The other interesting thing is when you sprint, you release best a molecule called a myokine. And myokines, you can Google those, M-Y-O-K-I-N-E. Myokine, myokines are messaging molecules that tell your body to burn fat and build muscle. So the best exercise out of 10 different forms of exercise studied, looking at these very powerful uh, influential molecules right up there like adiponectin, uh, Big Pharma doesn't want you to know about myokines either, um, is sprinting. So sprinting produces more myokines uh, than any other form of exercise. Next one down was weightlifting, resistance training. Guess what was at the bottom of the list study? Jogging. Running and jogging. So if you do marathons, it's like the least amount of myokines. And these these myokines have this, I told you, their message of myokines, they tell you to burn fat and build muscle. So if you look at sprinters, they got these beautiful muscular bodies. You know, they're fantastic shape. And then you you go uh, you go and look at marathoners, it's all downhill. They just start declining. You know, the 100 meter is the best, 200 meter sprinters, not quite as much. 400 meters, scab muscle, but not nearly as much as the 100 meter, you know, uh, men and women. And the 800 meter, even quite a bit less. The 1500 meter, they're just skinny. 1500 meter runners, they're skinny. 5,000 kilometer, um, you know, 5,000 meter or 5K, uh, five kilometer uh, sprinters, they're just scrawny. And the marathoners are the are just emaciated. And ultra marathoners got their, they just look diseased. And, uh, but there's this running love and these, these myokines have this, I told you their message of myokines, they tell you to burn fat and build muscle. So if you look at sprinters, they got these beautiful muscular bodies, you know, they're fantastic shape. And then you, you go, uh, you go and look at marathoners. It's all downhill. They just start declining. You know, the 100 meters, the best 200 meter sprinters, not quite as much 400 meters, it's got muscle, but not nearly as much as the 100 meter, you know, uh, men and women. And the 800 meter, even quite a bit less. The 1500 meter, they're just skinny. 1500 meter runners, they're skinny. 5,000 kilometer, um, you know, 5,000 meter or 5K, uh, five kilometer uh, sprinters, they're just scrawny. And the marathoners are the are just emaciated. And ultra marathoners, got, they just look diseased. And, uh, but there's this running love, you know, people want to do all this endurance exercise. So they had more visceral fat, they had smaller muscles shrinking and, uh, the cyclists too. Now cyclists have big leg muscles, but while the sprinter, um, if, if they engage, like if you just did squatting, you know, you, you squatted, you would produce this messaging molecule that would literally build your arm muscles up even though you're using your leg muscles because that messaging molecule builds your, your arm muscles up. That's why there's that expression, never skip a leg day, because that's where most of your myokines, largest muscles come, get produced in the legs and your glutes when you're squatting. So that will help build muscle all over your body. But check out a cyclist, right? They've got big legs, 
And they got little tiny scrawny arms like a grandmother. Are you freaking kidding me? Look at that arm. You look like you're 90. You know, and it's because they they don't produce those myokines. So meanwhile, you get this love affair with this chronic kind of exercise, cycling, uh, which we never did in our you know existence of our species, and chronic endurance exercise. Now I've read the book Born, Born to Run, and I know there's this area that we chase down animals. I think it's bull crap. We sprinted at those freaking animals. We had teams of people with sprint freaking we got kind of full around that we sprinted after we freaking killed it and and that's that's what got us the healthiest so uh the endurance running is nothing we could see until like the greek history with the the marathon and the, the guy the messenger went back and told the king and then he fell over dead so distance running is not uh not the healthy practice that that it's made out to be but he thinks it is you want to turn your life around, cut out carbohydrates, eat meat, eat fermented vegetables, uh, fermented foods, and, and sprint, do maximum intensity exercise. So then I'll address the issue about selection pressure. So selection pressure is this principle that anthropologists are familiar with that would be a force or influence in the lives of our ancestors that helped them make the best decisions to live the best way. Why? Because if you live better, uh, you make better decisions like about hunting and taking care of yourself, sunshine, sleep, um, sprinting, things like that, uh, and food selection. You literally performed better and you your quality of life was better. So you literally caught more meat you were more effective at hunting and your quality your 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 longevity improved so the healthier you were um the the longer you lived and the better you lived survival of the fittest so that was selection pressure and so it literally is like in the past uh 50,000 years ago our ancestors walk around and, and see a bunch of uh, pigs and dates and they'd be like the hell with that there's no way I'm going to eat those because I know that that's going to, um, you know, uh, be aligned with uh, adiposity, gaining weight, declining performance. And the, the badass alphas of that time would grab meat and they'd be eating meat, uh, you know, which is the most nutritiously dense form of food and consuming that or at least lower carbohydrate vegetables in the absence of meat. Uh, and uh, and and not eating pleasurable type of food. So I call this distinction, you know, the 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 alpha hunter who is at the tip of the spear going out with his his or her weapons to hunt, and then the 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 uh, campfire dweller or somebody back staying near the campfire say, "It's a little too cold for me to go out hunt today." While they're eating their figs and dates and fruit and you know whatever they didn't have processed rude back back then but they you know they they were driven by pleasure in their mouths and so um selection uh pressure today has been eliminated and uh the 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 influence today i caught it is substituted in for it is i call selection pleasure that you know humans today uh, no longer have an influence like you know 
hey, if I'm a, I'm going to die if I, uh, if I don't start eating healthy because uh, big pharma's got all this medicine, they can, you know, put the fingers in the in the in the dikes and keep keep things relatively, you know, you keep you around a long time, but you'll look like hell, you'll live like hell, you're using a walker until you're in a wheelchair, and it's just not natural. So um, that's because selection pleasure has kicked in. And we want to live a comfortable, pleasure-filled lifestyle. Now, if you, you can make this transition, you understand that I'm not saying you can't have fun and can't enjoy life. Let me tell you, there ain't a human out there, I think, that has a better life than me. That's how good my life is because I do these hormetic experiences. I embrace what's really difficult, but for, for a short period of time. And uh, yeah, I'm foregone dates and figs, but I don't miss it. You know, I, it's, it, you know, candy and ice cream, all that crap. You have no idea, unless you coined in my head, how much I enjoy eating a seared steak with some fermented kimchi and the, the experience. I feel like I have never lived until I started living in this manner. And that's how all our ancestors, well, vast majority of my ancestors lived for a long period of time. Look, Dr. Sean, our time is running running close now towards the end. So if people want to find out more about you, because I know you're very active in social media, where can they go? Yeah, so I'm on social media, Instagram and and YouTube and uh, X, former Twitter and uh, LinkedIn if you're a business woman or businessman, professional. Uh, and I'm also on TikTok, all at DRS. E-A-N-O-M-A-R-A. So Dr. Sean Amara, uh, the Irish pronounce it Amara. When you come to Amer- America, they say Omera. <laughs> but it's Sean Amara and, and, uh, and the old side. And uh, yeah, if you want to uh, learn more about my content, follow me. And I'll throw a pitch out. If you're a really motivated person, you want to be the best biological version of yourself possible, um, I do work one-on-one with clients, and I'm also training other physicians to to learn how to do this, and other specialists. I, I don't call them coaches anymore because they're they're way beyond a coach. Uh, people who specialize in biological optimization and can help you uh, specialize too through online consultations. No matter where you are, we're taking care of people all over the world. People fly into me or through online consultations um, to the United States with with us. We're, we're reverting disease and optimizing humans. Well, what I will do is I'll pop a link to all of those socials and websites in the show notes for this episode. It's been an illuminating discussion for sure. You're a mind of information. Uh, Dr. Sean O'Mara, for the moment, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Matthew. Anytime, you have an awesome day. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Happy Habit Podcast. A reminder, we are on YouTube and on Instagram. If you want to become a subscriber over there and actually watch the episodes, please do so. And remember, if you're getting value at all on whatever platform you're experiencing the podcast, do share and leave the podcast a positive rating, be it three, four or even five stars if you think that we have earned it. Until next time, stay happy.